our um, small intimate group tonight to become small and intimate, if you don't mind. Anybody willing to come forward? You can bring your chairs if you like. Thank you, Eve. Hey, Elizabeth. Is it turned on? It's recording? Okay. Okay, as a segue from the lovely Donna talk to the stray thoughts uh, called a Dharma talk, I thought I would share the words of Brian Swim. I thought this was a nice transition. Brian Swim, who's a, I think an astronomer and cosmologist, a really interesting guy. He says, the sun each second transforms four million tons of itself into light. Human generosity is possible only because at the center of the solar system, a magnificent stellar generosity pours forth free energy day and night without stop, without complaint, and without the slightest hesitation. So that light um, that pours forth generously, it's through that light that everything flows. And that light, some would say, is the very light of, of your own nature. That which moves inside of you, that moves inside of me. Uh, And it's what we share. And this metaphor of of light is used often for the nature of our mind. Uh, In fact, I could say that, um, that a metaphor for the nature of our mind is, and this sounds very Californian, but it is light and love. So you are the land of light and love. And when that light shines freely, as, as Brian Swim, uh, there is, a, there is a, um, uh, the face of that light that flows through you is clarity. Uh, and the expression of that luminosity, the expression of that clarity, is love. Is love. When that light is blocked, you could say, by uh, our confusion, by our um, our uh, cravings, by our dissatisfaction, our frustrations, by all the states that that arise in and are an expression of that sun, the expression of our nature, but often get um, are unrecognized as an expression of our nature, they somehow get co-opted by a 
what we call the personality view by, by ego, by our self-ideas, and we enter into the imaginary world of our, uh, of our um, identity. And once we have incarnated in our thoughts and our identities and then the frustrations and the desires that go with those, it's often, it's just a, a logical uh, outgrowth of that is the, uh, the, the lack of the flow of love and clarity. And our life then, out of, out of some confusion, then uh, starts taking funny turns. And every one of us has fallen into this trap. Into the trap of mistaking our identity, mistaken, mistaking our deep identity as light, as love. Um, um, not mistake missing that that innermost identity and mistaking it for this uh, very small contracted uh, limited view of ourselves called sakaya ditti called personality view and we've become very identified with our feelings uh, our thoughts and our sense of lack sense of lack so the process of awakening is to hopefully right from the beginning that's why I talk about it every week my deep hope is that you will recognize that prior to any idea that you have about yourself prior to any feeling prior to and beyond any kind of situation that you might be in your life you are ever presently at your root the sun you are light. You are the, the light of awareness. That's your Buddha nature. Buddha means awake. You are wakefulness itself. That wakefulness in you is uncreated. It's unborn. It is, it, it is inexhaustible. It pours forth. Uh, it pours forth inexhaustible energy. And from the beginning in our own practice we can first and foremost recognize you don't have to have an, an exotic or expanded view of yourself but you can sense without much effort that you are aware and when you try to stop that sense of being aware you see that it shines forth as the most the primary fact of your existence more than even being a person on present evidence, on present evidence you know you're aware so how does, do we benefit from that, that basic fact of being aware? Do you benefit from knowing that you are, uh, your mind is, is radiant like the sun, reflecting everything? Does that, does that feel like it's a benefit to you? No? I find it very relieving to know I don't have to search for this anywhere else. I'm always, every one of us is searching for, for, uh, for something that doesn't, that does not, um, that doesn't go away. That is always available, ever-present, inexhaustible, reliable. 
And I've discovered, many have discovered that uh, that reliable refuge is none other than the nature of my own mind. So I, I'm happy to know that it's, it's, that the Buddha is me, the Buddha is you. And no matter what you think about yourself, you're still the Buddha. And the only reason you don't, you don't recognize that is because you think you're not. You think you're a person or a, a sufferer or whatever it is. And this is a, a case of mistaken identity. Because on present evidence, in this immediate moment, there's no evidence for what you usually think about yourself. In the most immediate sense of present awareness, you don't even know what your gender is. You have to reflect on that. That requires memory. You don't know what, what job you do. You don't know what role you play unless you consult your memory. On present evidence, you only find that you are awake. And that wakefulness has no limits. It is completely free. It is unbound. And it's home. And you don't even have to, you don't have to create it. You don't have to do awareness. You need to simply recognize and be aware. It's a state of being. It's a state of being lucidly aware. It's uncaused. I find that very relieving. Uh, that your mind is the same as all the Buddhas of all the times. That your natural mind is the Buddha. I find when I say that, my heart just gets super soft. My mind gets much brighter. The whole room gets brighter in my mind. <laughs> but that may just be that may just be some kind of quirk or some kind of delusion. But nevertheless, I'm happy to know that. But I don't stay there very long. And you don't stay there very long. You don't stay in that realization of the that you are the Buddha, that you're awake. Very quickly a thought comes, a feeling comes, a reminder of your day, a reminder of your situation, all the things that have to be done, all the things that have been, are undone in your life, incomplete, unhealed, and very quickly you incarnate into that virtual you, into the, into the personality view. And if you were able to simply notice all of that happening, you would see that it's just made up of the same, it's made of the same light as everything, as the, as the nature of awareness. It would just be thoughts arising in your mind, feelings arising. You'd see that they're inseparable from that sun, that light of awareness. Uh, and in, and in seeing that, you would, those, you would see that the thoughts and ideas about yourself would, what sometimes described as, they would self-liberate. They, they would just become the light, which they are. But if, that, if those thoughts go unnoticed, they, as one Tibetan teacher, Dujim Rinpoche, says, they, they spread out into ordinary thinking. And this chain of ordinary thinking he calls the chain of delusion because we, we, fall into, we fall into a mistaken view about ourselves. 
And then we start to, we not just start to, we our suffering increases. Because then we sense, or I sense that I'm the, I'm, I've somehow lost touch. I've lost touch with something sacred, something precious. I've, I don't feel good. I'm unhappy. I'm disturbed. I, and I want to find relief again. And I feel unsettled and I feel my heart's contracted and my, my body is tense and I'm, it's as though I'm, I'm suspended in a state of, of misery and I have to figure out how to, how to get back home, how to get back to where, the way I felt that, that one time when all was well. And it seemed like that time that all was well, it didn't seem to have much to do with what was going on. It was just there. I, I have this vague memory. But then I, I, I try to take the advice that people are giving me and they, they say, you know, you'll feel better tomorrow. You know, maybe you should go home and just turn on the TV and, and check out a little. You'll feel better tomorrow. The next person says, or the magazine says, you know the the latest, the latest. Um, I don't want to use the iPhone <laughs> method, but the latest, the, the the latest mini SUV or the 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 newest thing in eco travel. The, uh, maybe a, a makeover, maybe shorter skirts or longer skirts or wear more blue jeans, whatever it is, our mind starts strategizing. It says, oh, maybe if I do those things, then I'll be happy. And we then are having taken the the medicine that's been offered by our, our cultural conditioning, we are bound on this cycle of what's called samsara, endless wandering. Uh, we enter into the, the societal view that, uh, that addiction is the way to go. Addiction to the mind being in a state of searching, addiction to wanting, addiction to sense experience, addiction to escape. All the while, the very freedom that vastness, open-heartedness, love that you're searching for is waiting quietly at home, sitting on your own cushion. That's why Gendon Rinpoche says, don't go into the tangled jungle looking for the great awakened elephant who's resting quietly at home in front of your own hearth. He continues, he says, there's nothing to do or to undo. Everything unfolds of itself. So the Buddha 
sitting under the Bodhi tree. He didn't, and after he sat under the Bodhi tree, after he realized uh, that he was the Buddha, after he realized that you were the Buddha, he didn't immediately tell everybody that they were the Buddha. He first acknowledged that we've all fallen into delusion. And the, what we really need to do is to, even though that you, he realized that the nature of his mind was unconditioned, free, was so close, so subtle, he didn't think anybody would get it, too easy, too vast, too wonderful. And instead of just highlighting that, he said, first recognize, open to the fact that you're in distress. Stop running from being so distressed. Notice that you are distressed. And it's natural to be distressed if, you're, if you are born into this world. It's natural to have some degree of distress. Because it's stressful being born, it's stressful aging, stressful being sick, stressful dying, stressful not getting what you want in your life, and stressful not wanting what you get, and it's stressful being separated from things that you care about, as you will be. It's stressful. So open to that. And he also said that he didn't start with how wondrous the light of awareness. He said, what keeps you forgetting, what keeps you bound, is that you constantly, constantly want things to be different than the way they are. Your mind is constantly going in search of something other than what is right here and what's, what's actually true, what's going on. That's why the most simple meditation instruction is sometimes the most, uh, is the most profound. Are you aware right now? What are you aware of? You can check it out. Are you aware? Is there awareness right now? What are you aware of? That simple instruction, is there awareness now, what am I aware of, it totally cuts through whatever drama may be going on and shows us in the moment, a drama is a changing condition, there's feeling, there's hearing the sound of the rain, there's, there's, there's just a simplicity of reality that's always waiting, ever-present, but we have to abandon this cause of our increased distress by letting go of this tendency to go out in search. We have to stop that, abandon it, and instead realize, realize for ourselves, this is the third thing he said, realize for ourselves there is, right in the midst of everything, a cessation of that, um, that mind that is that is going out in search. There's a cessation of the, of the endless confusion that, you're, that you tend to get lost in day in and day out. There's an end to it. And it can be realized. And you need to realize it moment by moment. And there's a path. And that path is to wake up. Enough already. Wake up. Stop just running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. That's the whole thing. That's the whole of the Eightfold Path is wake up. So, 
So he didn't say just bask in the radiance of the sun. He said, wake up. And then he offered a lot of tools. He offered a lot of tools. But the most simple tool was to utilize this this light that moves inside of you and moves inside of me, this light of awareness, to utilize it, to focalize it, to sharpen the beam and bring it together, bring it to your body. And if nothing more, it brings you here. Direct that attention to your body. Said those who, if you want to partake of the deathless, you've got to put your mind in your body. You've got to have it in the same location. If you want to realize the vision and knowledge of, of the depth of, of the Buddhas, you have to focalize, focus your attention, channel that sun into the the individual awareness of this of this fathom long body. And you have to stay with that as much as you can. You have to study it, as we talked about last week. Study the body over and over again. Notice that it's changing. Notice that it, that it, it is marked by these laws of impermanence. It's marked by selflessness. It's doing its own thing. Let this body... Let your moods, let your thoughts, let these sounds, let them bring you so much into the awareness of the present that that light of your own mind, your own little corner of this ground luminosity becomes, becomes so bright from, being reflect, from reflecting off of everything that you notice that it begins to naturally shine in its clarity where you then become so amazed by the power this, that your capacity of mindfulness, of this being mindful, it's not just a little glancing attention to things. It becomes this keen, powerful force, this laser-like observing power that is the very nature of your mind. It's more like the sun than you ever thought. It shines really brightly. And then you can see for yourself that whatever thought you have, whatever thought you have about yourself is not yourself, whatever feeling that may be present doesn't define you, whatever sensations you're having are changing. And you begin to see that that wanting mind that says, I need this to be happy, is, is just a, a trick of the mind to make you postpone being radiantly free right now. And in that process you will see as the Buddha described and as you can see for yourself you never should adopt this as a belief he said luminous is the mind brightly shining and it becomes colored by all the defilements that visit us this somebody who doesn't practice doesn't understand and so there's no cultivation of the mind but then he goes on to say this is the evolution of our practice luminous is the mind brightly shining and it is untouched by all the defilements that visit it. This the yogi understands, therefore there's cultivation of their mind. So slowly, slowly as we pay attention to the flow of our experience, our, 
we recognize that that everything that comes into our mind is just the display of our mind and it doesn't define us and it doesn't, it doesn't interrupt that um, grandeur that you are, that your natural mind is great, is wondrous, is vast, has no limit, no height or depth or color or shape. And that's you. Any of you disbelieve me? <laughs> I hope so. Because it's best to realize this, not to adopt a view about it. Don't believe anything, I say. But look, look directly at the nature of your mind. And you'll see it's clear and empty. Shining, including everything you see, experience, but it's not bound by it. anything you notice. It's free. As... Hakuin Zen Master says, How boundless and free the sky of awareness. How bright the full moon of wisdom. Truly, in this moment, he says, is there anything missing? The, the Buddha, the, um, the, what's he called? The Buddha, the, the true, the, the pure land is here. The Buddha is you. Don't overlook this vital point so the, the beautiful side of this not only does our, the, the luminous is the mind brightly shining but the face of that radiance is love when the Buddha awakened to his nature being so immersed by focalizing the attention, putting the mind in the body, becoming so oriented to the vital present, he touched into a sense of immediacy. He came to a single point. He came to that point where you are, where I am. And it turned out that that single point called ekagata, one-pointedness, the state of a mind that is collected and concentrated, he recognized that that one point where you are, where I am, connects with all life everywhere. The one point that includes everything. And he realized that in that moment there was no dividing line. In any moment where we're right here, there's no dividing line between us and everything. Everything that has ever been. All time is here. All space is here. Everything included in that what's what he called what's called tata or suchness the buddha was called tathagata the one who knows suchness the one who knows that that isness that connection of all things at all times and in recognizing that tata that suchness we recognize that there is no one who exists independently apart from any other one. That that sense of individuality, although it, it exists conventionally speaking, in our innermost nature we are completely interconnected. Inter there is a complete sense of interbeing. As Thich Nhat Hanh put it, you are me and I am you. Isn't it obvious that we inter-are? You cultivate the flower in yourself so that I will be beautiful. I transform the garbage in myself 
so that you will not have to suffer. I support you, you support me. I am in this world to offer you peace. You are in this world to bring me joy. Or as as Rumi put it, we are the mirror as well as the face in it. We are pain and what cures pain. We are the sweet cold water as well as the jar that pours. We are tasting the taste of eternity in every moment. So with that sense of tata, of suchness, of connection with all life, what naturally flows from that radiance, from light, the face of that light, the face of that emptiness, that openness, is love. Love when it connects with life. Compassion when it connects with the pain. Joy when it connects with the joy. And and a... um, a deep sense of serenity and balance that understands that everything is in its place. Everything is joy or pain, but everything is unfolding exactly as it is able to in this moment. Even your life is perfectly unfolding the only way it could up to this moment. And we enter into a state of complete balance. You could say acceptance of things just as they are. But we feel, we begin to feel that kind of mountain-like strength and balance. Much more able to meet the, the joys that show up as part of our part of the suchness of things, the sorrows that inevitably face our lives, we meet them without adding to them. We meet them just as they are. So whatever it is that's going on in your life, stop right in the middle. Is there awareness right now? What am I aware of? This moment. And then this moment. So right in the middle of it all, there's freedom. You don't have to wait to be free. Your natural state. So, since I started to, I'll just a couple short quotes before I finish. Uh, just one more, one more vote for light. Actually, I'll just share a few things about light. Hafez, in his poem called "It Felt Love." How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. And then I was thinking of the words of, this is from the Advaita Vedanta tradition, Sri Nisargadatta, Maharaj, who said, when the mind is kept away from its preoccupations, it becomes quiet. That just means I'm here. When the mind is kept away from its preoccupations, it becomes quiet. 
And if you don't disturb that quiet and stay in it, you'll discover that it's permeated with a light and a love that you've never known. Yet you recognize it at once as your own nature. Once you've tasted this, he, this is the way he puts it, once you've tasted this, you'll never be the same person again. The unruly mind will break that peace and obliterate that vision, but it's bound to uh, return if, if the effort is sustained until all bonds are broken, grasping and attachment ends and life becomes supremely concentrated in the present. So he says, when the mind is kept away from its preoccupations, you'll discover that it's permeated with a light and love. We have to talk about the light. We don't talk about the love so much. Love is the face of that light. It's the expression of that light. And when you're open, you just fall in love. You just can't help it. Life is a little more lovable in the immediate present. Even when things are terrible, our heart is moved. Love in the form of compassion when we meet pain. Love in the form of, of, of appreciative joy when we meet someone who's in good fortune. That's natural to us. We don't have to hide away in fear and dullness, contraction. There's infinite space for us to love. And it's it actually turns out to be the safest place. So I think that's enough for me. I, I'll um, just end by sharing the words. I won't chant tonight. I'll save you from the chant. But the words of Neem Karoli Baba where he says, I am like the wind. No one can hold me. I belong to everyone. No one can own me. The whole world is my home. All are my family. I live in every heart. I will never leave thee. Oh, crystal tears, taking away my fears. So let's just sit for a moment. And I will end the silent part by chanting those same words. Californians. Anyway, thank you for your attention. Thanks for coming out in the rain. 
and thank you for your generosity. Deeply appreciated. Anyway, see you next time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.